Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining our virtual support group. For details, visit us at recovering2.com. We know what you're going through and we're here to help. We're Recovering Too. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. Today, it is the three of us, Alex, Liz, and me, Elise. And today we're talking about, where's my fucking casserole? (laughs) Do one of you want to elaborate? I was going to say, we might need to give a little background there. What does that mean? What does that mean? So I can elaborate a little bit. Um. So this came about when I was, well, we have, we've been working on some things without giving spoilers. We've been working on some new things um, for boy problems. And a part of that, I wrote out part of my story. So kind of how we got here today. And as I was writing it, I was realizing I was, I was writing this to share with people like close to me about the podcast and other things that we are doing. And as I'm writing it, I'm realizing, you know, like this journey of like, why haven't I been more open with the people closest to me? So why is it that I've talked about it before on the podcast? Like, why don't I feel comfortable telling my mom about things happening or my friends or my work friends or even you two? Like, I feel like sometimes I don't always tell you things immediately. And there's something to that because it's like... I don't feel comfortable sharing news about this issue with people close to me. And I, as I was like writing this stuff out, I was realizing that, you know, because of the way that people have acted towards me in the past. So um, I had like a best friend who found out about my husband's disease and addiction and like literally just stopped being friends with me, disagreed with my marriage and like all of this stuff. And I think it probably started there. And then, uh, you know, I just manifested it larger since then. But it's, you know, all of these negative, like accumulation of negative responses to either my situation or hearing other people I know talk about drug addicts in a certain degrading way always make made me feel like well this isn't something I can share which leads to a lot of isolation and shame and guilt and all that and you know when I was writing this stuff out I was realizing you know I was comparing the disease of addiction to a different disease to cancer to diabetes to anything and you know what do people do to support others when (laughs) 
they have a sick family member or something crazy going on, they bring them fucking casseroles. <laughs> and they <laughs> among other things. Among other things, they bring them food. They help, like they help them. They are reaching out, checking in. That does not happen with this disease. And um, it's really unfortunate. And I think it's probably common with a lot of people that listen, probably a lot of people feel this way. So I think we have some stories from our, um, like what's led to this for us, but that's, that's the general idea of where's my casserole. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I will say that we just recently had a conversation um, with somebody else for a very exciting podcast that's coming out. Uh, and she alluded to a gentleman, I believe, who wrote an article or a post or something, and I, I uh, still have yet to find it, who his wife had gone through cancer. He got a bunch of love support casseroles. And then his daughter um, had the disease of addiction and he got nothing, got squat. And so I think... Um, you know, it's just uh, like he could just compare the two because he actually had both of them happen mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, it's an interesting um, discussion. So in, on one hand, though, I think it's hard to expect to receive casseroles or support and things from people if they don't know what's going on. And so like in his, in that um, example that you're giving that guy's situation, I wonder, was he being as open about his wife's sickness as then his daughter's um, struggles with addiction or was it varying? Um, and I, it's one of those things where Alex kind of alluded to this, like where it's hard to tell if it's like a chicken or an egg situation, which came first. You know, you hear stories or hear people just talking in general about addicts, which and the stigma And so then you kind of create this narrative in your head of like, oh, if I tell them they're probably going to respond X, Y, and Z. So then you don't give them the opportunity to do that. Um, Or there's also been situations where maybe you do open up and it doesn't go like you thought. So then you stop sharing with people. And then once you stop sharing, like you've completely taken the opportunity away from them to maybe give support that they're willing to give so it's kind mm-hmm. of a conundrum there mm-hmm. I have had a few instances where <clears throat> people very close to me who I thought were like my main support system like essentially made the situation much harder for me after telling them about it and when you, if you know what it's like going through an act, a phase of active addiction with someone, you know that it's like, you barely can make sense of anything, you know? And so like the last thing that I need to be dealing with when I'm trying to get through that and like take care of myself and like not worry to death and like all not be like, you know, trying to find somebody's, like my husband's car in random parking lots, you know, that whole crazy cycle that you go go through. The last thing I need to be doing is defending my marriage or defending like what I, like my relationship. <clears throat> so, I mean, cause I think that we, as we're going through this, we're always, I'm at least I am always questioning like, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right situation? How am I here again? And I like, I'm, 
the things that those those negative responses of those people are saying are not something that I need to be brought up because I've never thought about it. <laughs> you know, it's not like a helpful, like thought provoking question. Like, well, have you considered not being in this relationship? <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. like, it's just, it's not a helpful exercise at that point. Um, so for me, I think it's led to me being more private about the failure, like what I would deem like other people view as failures in this yeah. journey. So yeah. it's unfortunate because that it is isolating and it's like, yeah, I could take my chances and like tell other people, but like, then it's just an exhausting cycle of like, is this person going to understand? Are they going to, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. Sometimes though, I find it's easier in most situations or like to sometimes tell people who are not as close to you, like they have a little bit more of an objective view anyway, um, than somebody who's like really close to you. Cause you know, they, I guess in their mind, they probably don't think that they're being negative towards you. They think they're expressing concern and they love you and they want you to be okay. And they have their own fears because they're like wrapped up in their relationship with you. And it just all is very, it's kind of muddy. And so it's almost easier, I think, to sometimes talk about these things with people who aren't as close with you. Like they don't really have skin in the game or something. Like, I wonder, like if you were to post on Facebook, like you know, if people were to post about their loved one having cancer and then they get all kinds of messages of support, I wonder, wonder what the reactions from like random people would be as opposed to people who are like close to us and Mm -hmm. more. But isn't that, so I hear what you're saying and I agree with you, but isn't that exactly what we're talking about? Why should it be easier to talk to is it because we don't give a shit if they let us down? I mean, for me, it's like in hopes of telling my family and telling my closest friends and telling Steve's family, I would hope that they would rally, right? So if if Steve had cancer, they would rally, they would whatever. And so, I mean, I hear what you're saying and I a thousand percent agree. And I think that is only case in point to what we're saying is people don't fucking people the closest people like they don't get it because they want to look out for you because the person in the addiction is doing like all these horrible terrible things Mm -hmm. um as you were saying that i was thinking for me i think sometimes why i have an easier time telling people that are are not close to me um is because i'm like less worried about what they think of me so it really stems more from like my own personal like insecurities or Alex you mentioned you know fear of failure or how you're being perceived and the people that are close to me and love me like I know it seems backwards because those are the people who are like supposed to like unconditionally love you but I'm more concerned about disappointing them than I am about someone that I'm kind of an acquaintance with so I don't know I think it's more of a something that I have to work on like with my like being okay with myself I don't know I think though it's not something you need to work on I think it's something that the broader 
society needs to work on. Like, this is like, we have allies for everything, you know, like LGBTQ, like Black Lives Matter, right? Like the people who are struggling with inequities, like this is another situation like that, where, you know, it's a misunderstood population. It's stereotyped. Um, it's crazy stereotyped. And it's just this raging problem that like, and everyone, every single person knows somebody with addiction. And that's the thing is like, if we all just realize, have some compassion for these people struggling with this disease and the people supporting those struggling with the disease, then, you know, it, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, but it goes, it's like so deeply embedded in our society. You know, we criminalize um, drug addicts and people with marijuana and like that whole thing, like just puts a negative aspect on um, these behaviors. And I don't know. So maybe, maybe the point of this podcast is if we could talk about how others could be our others could support us people that love and care about us like how can they be there for us and set aside or re-educate themselves about the disease and what is helpful um you know I've I've had this conversation a lot with my close family about my anxiety because I think you guys know that I can have like these panic attack situations or like get really fixated on a fear and I will like spiral out of control. And I don't always see it happening, but if like certain people in my close circle feed into that, not understanding what's going on, it sends me like crazy in in this like whirlwind. So I've had lots of conversations with my husband, with my mom, with other people about, okay, with Elise, like these are, these are the times I am very anxious. This is what's happening. I know that you're trying to help, but this is what doesn't help. And this is what does. And we've worked on that together. Like, how is this much different from that? Like where you can't, maybe you can have these conversations with people and just explain and educate and give them the tools to support you. Yeah. Is that really unrealistic? No, I don't think so. Um, I think it might be worth exploring a little bit, you know, when you said, is that unrealistic? Like, what are some of the, the stigmas or like, where do those stigmas come? Or like, what is come from? Like, where do those stigmas come from? And like, I don't know, that might be something worth like identifying a little bit and then figuring out how to like combat them a little bit. Well, I can tell you the ones in my fam that I've encountered, (laughs) which is number one, that like, that drug addicts are criminals. And so, um, you know, your house is going to get shot up. You're going to have, you're going to get robbed. Your house, you know, all this stuff, like drug dealers are going to be coming to your house. This whole thing about like the criminality, um, like around it. And then as a parent, there are the things like that, you know, they could endanger your child or, you know, all of those safety things. Um, Those are the two biggest ones that I've encountered in my small circle. Yeah. Which, if you think about it, though, you can understand why people would think that because 
we, we know people in our circle where drug dealers showed up at their house and threatened them. And so it's not far off the mark. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility. And I would be lying if I didn't admit to like the times when early on, when I found out that Jake was using like questioning, like, did a drug dealer ever come here? Do they know where we live? Do you owe them money? Like, so I can understand like those concerns, but I think a way to combat it a little bit is by, I don't know, maybe like trying to show some like the humanity of like, yes, those things do happen in um, active use, but when they are trying to get better and X, Y, and Z, like giving examples of people we know with like long-term recovery or like the way people's lives change. Cause it's, it doesn't really work to to be like, oh, that's not going to happen. That's not a, a true thing because people can give examples. And so it's like, you almost have to, I think you hit it on positive examples. I think you hit it though. You said what you said that there's a difference. I think that when largely my perception is that when people think of addiction, they um, automatically assume like everybody's in active use. And there's a huge difference between someone with substance abuse disorder in active use and someone in a recovery phase or whatever cycle, whatever that we would call that. And um, I think that's a huge differentiation. And I think that that's one of the reasons we started the podcast is to talk about though that there it can be life after active after addiction but how do we we also have to like teach our families that and I know you can it's almost like a living amends you know they start to see positive behaviors and things um but it's just like a constant I don't know for me it's just like I feel like I'm defending things a lot and uh yeah it's just yeah. I don't know if you solve it. I mean, it's, you're right. It's, it's hard and it can be really ugly. Well, you uh, made a good point. Like when most people think of addiction, they only have those images of people who are actively using or like living under a bridge or all of those examples, but there's not a lot of um, examples that you can reference of people in recovery, like in pop culture and and things like that. So I feel like sometimes people don't have a, like a a face of recovery to, to think of. Um, Part of that challenge, I think comes from the, like the 12 step programs with the anonymity and you're not really supposed to promote when you're in it or like speak on behalf of like the program. Um, So that makes it challenging for people to see that, um, which I listen to armchair expert a lot. And Dak Shepard is very open about his, um, addiction history and recovery. And this is an area that he talks about a lot. Cause he talks about, uh, his 12 step program. And he's always like, I'm not really supposed to do this, but I think it's important that we talk about it and let people know like this is and people are getting better and living life afterwards. And, being productive, like better members of society. Um, I feel like we just need some like examples of that. Well, and I think too many people think 
it's a choice. So maybe you see those rock stars that are just drinking, living it up. Um, some people can stop. And I think uh, most people probably have had drinks, gotten drunk, gotten high. And they're like, well, that didn't affect me. Like, why would they keep going? And so I think there is some, you know, with cancer, it kind of just, you know, obviously if you're smoking a lot of lung cancer, you know what I mean? Like maybe you can connect the points, but, you know, I just think people don't understand like that moral um, failing. And I will say, I, I uh, appreciate Alex of how you kind of wanted to like tell people how they can support us through this. Uh, I think many of everyone knows that I can access my anger very quickly. And so when we started out this podcast, I immediately got angry thinking about all the things that people have said, all the things that people haven't said or haven't done. And it's like, okay, like I could just bitch for hours about all the things that people have done. Um, but I'm glad that like maybe we can kind of talk about like our wish list or a wish list of things um, that we can hopefully like send out like maybe this is the episode if you have somebody if you are struggling with someone in substance use disorder you can send this to your family and say I can't say this but I need you to listen to this in hopes of um, you know getting some compassion and care around me mm -hmm. yeah. that's good yeah so why don't you start Elise what would have helped you during the hardest times I think I think that's so hard because it's so private and, you know, I didn't tell my family for quite some time because I didn't want to hear leave him, ditch him, the whole thing. Uh, I will say that I called a close family member of Steve and I was like, X, Y, Z, it's heroin. I found out he's in jail. Uh, and unfortunately it's a family member of Steve's and that person just kind of went, MIA stop talking the whole nine and so an example of you know a friend when I called um this friend and I was like he's in jail uh and he's so sweet he was like he's like Steve's best friend and he was like I've got a jeep let me take off the because it was June let me take off the top cover and let's just drive down the interstate with all the windows and everything out and while that was so stupid and I just laughed at him it was just comforting that he had no idea what to do pretty much admitted I the only thing I know what to do is just to take off the windows on my car and let's drive and that was just so comforting um just that he didn't want to talk he didn't like and so that was really comforting like just a presence you know just to be sit be quiet for me and let me kind of like figure this out on my own would have been helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking I actually have a couple of examples of nice things that people did do, do for me. Um, this last time around, I was more open with um, like even some coworkers and close friends about what was going on. And I will say that the, the level of support was different than like the first time around when I didn't tell anyone. And so I would receive like random cards in the mail, just like notes of encouragement or like thinking of you or just, so like nice little pick me up cards. Um, 
I got a couple, like someone gave me a journal. Um, another person gave me, um, it was like one of those journals with like writing prompts about, it was like 52 days of happy or calm or something like that. And like each day kind of had a prompt. So like sort of some self-care things. Um, people would, would were good about being like, hey, do you want to just meet up and go to lunch or get a drink and kind of like trying to distract me? Um, so I felt like there were a lot of good examples in that. And those, I guess, would be things that I would recommend to others. Um, and then just in general, I think it's a good reminder for everyone that like as the person trying to support someone else, like you don't have to have the answers. I think that's where people get in trouble a lot is that everyone feels this urge to kind of like fix or problem solve for you. And then they start like word vomiting ideas or you should do this or you should do that. And you kind of feel pressure. And it's something like where there's really no, no answers to theirs. There's not like a, a manual and Sometimes it's more helpful to just be able to say the things out loud to somebody and not have a response. Um, I'm guilty of that though, too. I was thinking like our friend who is, you know, going through stuff. I, I find myself like wanting to respond with suggestions of, have you tried this? Or what about this? Or you should do that. And <laughs> like, I'm even in the same thing, but it's, I don't know, I guess there's that natural tendency of wanting to like fix something for someone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking of, um, I, I agree with everything you both have said. Um, but for me, I think the biggest thing was, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that I don't enjoy like sharing and I'm a private person. And even in my closest relationships, I have trouble like sharing. <laughs> and um, so having someone that really understood me and know that about me, like encourage me to, you know, seek out a, a counselor or just go with me to like, um, like a, a support group or just like, 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 hold my hand through it. So I didn't feel like just like not having to do anything or say anything or even participate, but just encouraging me by just their presence. Um, I think I would have benefited a lot from that. <clears throat> um, I have like, I'm thinking back to when things were really chaotic. My sister did a great job of just like coming over at the end of the day and just being like hanging out with me. And I didn't even really tell her. She kind of knew what was going on, but we didn't talk about the details. I mean, even to this day, we haven't dug into it. It was just like, hey, I'm going to hang out with you. We're going to watch some crappy TV and eat pizza and just relax. And those types of things where I just didn't like sit and worry and wonder and second guess those are super helpful, but that's my personality. I just kind of needed um, <clears throat> to connect with the right support and like push myself out of my comfort zone to do that. So if you know someone like me, <laughs> just do that. <laughs> yeah, well, that I is a good point. I was gonna say, there's kind of just like a consistent thread of, of, of calm and patience and listening. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now I, I don't know if that's what it's like for, you know, everything else, but I think it's almost like everything with active use is so chaotic and wild and crazy and unexplainable that to have somebody just be that place of calm and steadiness. I think that's interesting because again, mm-hmm. like if I hear somebody has cancer, I'm like, okay, let's do this. You're going to fucking fight it. We're going to, you know, kick its ass, you know, all this kind of stuff. But when somebody tells me that their loved one is struggling with a disease of addiction, I just, it, it's just a different um, thing that kind of turns on for me. I don't know about, what about you guys? No, I think that makes sense. Like when everything else is chaotic and whatever it does it makes sense that you would seek out a more like calming like stable presence too so I think kind of like consistency is helpful um and Alex what you said about like having that presence I think that can also be important especially if your loved one who is in active use and maybe they're not living at home and you guys are separate and you're used to like normally being around someone and then all of a sudden you go to like being in your house by yourself it can feel very lonely um and so I like having people who are able to like just hang out watch tv like it doesn't have to be a, a big production um that's helpful I think it's also what I say for somebody trying to support is And I've heard them say this with, in other situations, if it has to do with cancer, sometimes like reaching out to the person and saying like, hey, let's go get dinner or like giving an action rather than reaching out and saying like, hey, do you need anything? Like sometimes if you put the ball in their court, like I think our default response would be like, oh, I'm fine. No, I'm okay. Like I don't know, or you're just so tired from thinking and trying to make decisions that you don't want to make another decision. Mm -hmm. Having someone like come to you and say, hey, I'm going to drop off dinner at your house. Like, cool. And and I don't want to ask, I don't want to ask for it. I don't want to be a burden. Yeah. Just bring me my casserole. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting for all all, all of them. Yeah, (laughs) Me too. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, and, you know, man, it's just so interesting. I think just for people to understand who are trying to support a loved one, if someone is in active use, and if this is kind of the first go around when everybody's discovering things and like not asking questions of did you know this and what about the pawn shop oh is that when uh steve you know you found him passed out in his car you know the details like it is so chaotic and it is so wild like to go back and recount the things and like you're trying to put the pieces together like that's not gonna help and again like that made me feel really stupid I didn't want to share with anybody and still I mean now Steve has five years so I'm more comfortable sharing with other people but in the beginning it's like I'm a smart intelligent woman mm-hmm. why in the hell would I stay with a man who has been doing lines of heroin off my tray tables, my, my TV trays in my house in front of me. Like, how dumb am I? And so, you know, I think not asking the questions and just be like, okay, 
I get it. Like let's order pizza or whatever it may be. Like, like you said, like your brain, like, because you may have to be doing court things and bailing people out and getting the car out of impound and going through everything, searching for needles, searching for spoons, looking for alcohol. Like there's just a lot of things that come with it, you know, and even just having someone come over to your house while you're, I mean, uh, Liz, you found a needle and you were, you called us and you're like, I don't know what to do. Like, you know what I mean? Like having a support. And I think even oh, Alex, man. you needed, or he needed someone to support him while cleaning out his car. Cause he was mm. afraid to find paraphernalia. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. As you were talking, I think some of the things you were comment, talking about common threads and another one <clears throat> that we talk about a lot is taking care of ourselves. And a lot of the things that we have talked about are ways that you could encourage the person going through this to take some time for themselves and to remove themselves from the chaos of the addiction and just do something for them. So um, that I think that's one of the things we, we talk about all the time, but it's just so important is, you know, you can't help other people if you are broken, you know, like, so, um, that's another thing to, to take away is just like, how can you encourage that person? If they, like, I like to go hiking, you know, invite me on a hike or, you know, Liz likes to run, like, let's go on a run together, that type of thing <clears throat> that encourages, you know, because during those times you're not taking care of yourself. Is not a natural thing to do? Um, so. Yeah. Or even, um, during those times, like I would be pretty good about running on my own, but it's easy to then as you're running, get like consumed in the thoughts. And so if somebody was running with you, it's mm-hmm. a distraction, um, talking about other things. Yeah, exactly. Um, something I thought about, which is interesting because I'm not like a huge, like words of app. Well, I don't know. I go back and forth on this, like words of affirmation. I am, I feel awkward when people compliment me. Mm. I feel like I also need some sort of affirmation. And, um, there were times I remember like just wanting to hear people be like, you're really strong or I don't know, like something like that. I would hear like other friends talk to, um, girlfriends who were like, had gone through breakups or had, you know, through tough times. And it was like, you're so strong for doing X, Y, and Z, or, you know, people supporting people with another disease, like they're so strong. And I don't know. I guess I feel like sometimes it's like, you guys have no idea, like the weight that we're carrying and just wanting to like have that like recognition of it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I agree. This was good. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send this to a few people. Well, and, and let's just kind of say, I think almost, I told all of my family with kind of some of the new developments that um, we're doing, I have now told all of my immediate family about the podcast, and uh, some of them have listened. Um, Alex, Liz, have mm-hmm. you guys? Yeah, I'm dealing with, <laughs> yes, I'm dealing with some of the backlash from that. <clears throat> I've told so I've talked about my mom she's probably gonna freaking listen to this and I'm gonna have to deal with that too but <laughs> we I've love talked, you mom I've talked about her in the past and um 
Yeah, it, it, you know, I was just honest about how I felt uh, at the time that this was all going down. Like I've said multiple times on this that she tried to set me up with a someone like for on a date or something and I was married. You know, like that's like kind of where her mind was at. It was just like you're my daughter, you deserve better. I'm helping you do better. <clears throat> And um, I get where it comes from. I think I even said it recently with my dad and my stepmom. Like, I understand the urge to tell someone to leave a terrible situation. Um, but it doesn't, it's not conducive for like a productive conversation if you're trying to like, you know, if I'm defending myself and my stance and like my rationale for what I'm doing, um, it's exhausting. It's like, I'm already exhausted. And then talking to you is like making me even more exhausted. So that, that's just not a helpful dynamic. <laughs> so anyways, I've told my mom and she, I, we hadn't, and it's my fault. We hadn't really talked about any of this because it was avoidance was easier for me. And now I'm getting more comfortable with where I'm at and um, I'm becoming more open but now I'm having to go back and have some of those conversations that I didn't have three, four years ago. And um, I'm not really sure I want to have them right now. And, you know, like I kind of want her to mom, if you're listening, you can do to support me is just listen, take things in and just be proud of where I am right now. And like, not worry about anything else because all that stuff was so long ago and it got me to where I am today. And um, yeah, so I just think that, that, that yes, it's just freaking exhausting, but I feel better with people knowing the whole me, especially people close to me. It's like, it's difficult to get to that point, but I like feel more comfortable with myself the more that I share that. Um, I even showed, like, showed some of the stuff we're working on to my boss at work. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. And like he was impressed. And um it made me feel good. It's just like I just like kind of getting to the point where it's like I don't like I am proud of where I'm at. And I think that we've talked about this, like I feel like I'm on my own recovery journey with things. And I'm in a place where, you know, I've done a lot of work and I just feel better about where I'm at and I feel like I have the tolerance and like the emotional capacity to take the judgments that may come um and yeah so anyways it's just the right time for me to start sharing so to answer your question yes I've started sharing with people including my mom well I think that was so sweet like what you like that was just so sweet to what? me um when you're like mom if you're listening yeah I just think that was really really sweet and I think that's so interesting that you said that because I don't know if that gave you the heebie-jeebies inside because that just doesn't seem like something you would do (laughs) what tell my mom this (laughs) yeah to just listen and just like love you for who you are I just like yeah that's what I want that yeah thanks man hopefully she thinks that and isn't like you made me sound bad (laughs) I love you mom you're great you just you know we got some things (laughs) that's funny now what about you Liz have you told your family yeah um not 
my family. So the only person who knows about the podcast is my sister. And I think I've shared previously where she knew we were recording it. I had showed her some things like with the logo. And then we had kind of wondered, we're like, oh, she's probably listened at some point or looked for it. Um, but it was something that I never really wanted to like address with her. Cause I, I don't know. I didn't really want to know if she was listening. Cause I didn't want to have to like talk about it after the fact. Um, but actually this past weekend I was with her and I did bring up like, Hey, there's some new developments with the podcast. Like it's really exciting. And so I was telling her about that and she did confirm that she had listened to some of the early episodes, but that she had stopped listening because it was really hard for her to hear those episodes. And she felt very like angry towards Jake. Um, if you recall, those were those early on episodes were pretty rough for me. Um, so we did talk about that. And I said, yeah, I don't go back and listen to them because I, I don't really want to revisit what it was. And also it's like a you know, hindsight is 2020. Like, I don't want to critique what I said or what I was doing in that time where I'm like, oh, well, now I know I should have done X, Y, and Z. Um, so I said, maybe it would be better for her to start listening to some of the, the episodes that are more like interview based or you guys sharing your stories. Um, but it did it showed me where I have some more work to do, like on my recovery journey, like Alex, what you were mentioning, because when she said like it made her angry and kind of uncomfortable, I found myself kind of almost in a codependency way of being like, oh, I don't want her to be upset at Jake and I don't want her to be upset with me. And if she it, like basing like how I was feeling off of how she's feeling and it's like, she's allowed to have her own feelings and doesn't have to be like intertwined with my own. Um, so that's still an area to work on, but um, yeah. And it made me remember and kind of what you were saying with your mom, Alex, is maybe something that people who are supporting us can remember is that like these things, it, it, it's not necessarily like personal, like sometimes, not sharing things with them at certain time. It's, it's not always like, I don't know. I think sometimes people, I remember my sister was hurt one time when I hadn't shared something with her and she found it out like years later and I felt really guilty about it. Um, but it was like at that moment in time, what I needed was something different. And I wasn't thinking about like other people, I guess. And so, I don't know, taking that like personalness out of it might help. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's not because I don't care about the people I'm not sharing with. It's right. way more about my self-preservation and how I feel about me like at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, or it is, it's because I do care about these people so much that I'm not. Right. And the one of those people is my spouse who's effing up and so like I don't want him to be viewed poorly because I think he's doing a great job or whatever the reason is in my mind that's like well okay I don't want to talk about this this like slip because what's the point you know like so yeah I mean some of it is just for the good of my 
my immediate family you know and some of it is yeah just a selfish like a a self my own self-preservation of like Mm -hmm. my sanity (laughs) yeah well liz i'll be interested to hear updates of when you decide if you decide to tell your parents and if you decide to tell your other sibling and if you decide to tell jake's parents well actually jake's family knows oh what he told them when we were doing our thing last week i was late to like his birthday thing with his family and i didn't realize he told them but then at the like when people were leaving someone made a comment of like oh and we'll have to check out your podcast and i was like oh <laughs> sure <laughs> at the takedown like 2019 fall <laughs> 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 so that's very yeah, we didn't actually like talk about it because I was just kind of caught off guard and Jake wasn't around so I didn't know what had been said or but I guess when things you know come to fruition I will share the finished product yeah do you know what I was thinking about today and this is so left field and we're gonna end this after I say this but it's kind of like a pretty woman situation, you know, when she's at the polo field and like Stucky comes up and is like trying to pick her up, but like she's not in the zone, you know? So like if somebody, you know, to get picked up. And so like when somebody comes out of left field and is like, so your husband's a heroin addict, like, it's like, whoa, I'm not on the boulevard. I can't talk about that right now. Yeah, I don't know. I I threw in my pretty woman, and there we go. So Julia <laughs> Roberts, if you're listening, <laughs> let's talk drugs. I don't know. Ooh, I hope so. I oh know she did that movie. If anybody knows Julia Roberts out there, tell her we want her as a guest. It's like what <laughs> six degrees of separation. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right, everyone. Well. Thank you again for listening. As we've alluded to a couple of times on this episode, we have some really super fun and exciting things coming up, hopefully very soon for all of you. So we're excited. Please um, rate, review uh, our podcast. We always love seeing those reviews uh, coming in. That's so sweet of all of you and those emails that we get as well. So thank you everyone and keep coming back. Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.